Hey everyone, my name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, my friend Rosanna is back and we're talking about the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Hello, Rosanna. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you back. So a few things about this movie. It was released in 2003. It's directed by Donald Petrie. It's written by Michelle Alexander and Jeannie Long. It stars Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. The IMDb.com summary is, Benjamin Barry is an advertising executive and ladies' man who, to win a big campaign, bets that he can make a woman fall in love with him in 10 days. It has a 6.4 on IMDb, and it made more than $177 million worldwide. All right, Rosanna, you know the drill. So the first question, <laughs> what would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? Oh my gosh, this modulates for me depending on how I feel, I guess. I've only seen the movie three times, but right now I'm kind of teetering around like eight, 8.25. Oh, wow. I know, I know. It's like, so I'm kind of on the higher spectrum right now. I love <laughs> it. Okay. Wow. So you've seen this movie three times. Have you seen it more? Oh my gosh. Yes. So many times. <laughs> So it's been a minute for me. Um, so my score, I'm actually giving it pretty much the IMDb score. I'm giving it a 6.5. Okay. I guess let me walk you through this. I think I had seen this movie when it came out. I saw it in theaters and I remember like really loving this movie. It's just hilarious. It's so funny. I love Kate Hudson in this movie. And I think at the time I was in high school, high school, college, shoot. Yeah, no, I was in high school and I wasn't very experienced in love. I was like, wow, these people overcame so many obstacles and they still found love with each other. And I think that that was just like highly romantic in my eyes at the time. But I think for me now, it's just a funny movie. It doesn't really hold a whole lot of emotional weight. So that's why I think I, I lowered the score a little bit for me. I mean... On one hand, I can see myself giving it a very low score. On another hand, I can see myself giving it a higher one. But I just scored it right from how I felt immediately after viewing it this time. But mm -hmm. when I really think about a more analytical look at this, I think, I don't know, maybe I'll give you a different score by the time <laughs> we're done with this. <laughs> I love it, though. So, yeah, what, what's your relationship with this movie? Okay, so I saw this film right around the time that I saw Heartbreakers. So it was like 07-ish. Mm -hmm. And I saw this with my siblings. So just like the other film to this day, it's kind of lived on in infamy, at least with like our collective running jokes. Mm -hmm. Again, and at that time, not a lot of experience with love. So I think that to me, it was really idealistic. And, you know, maybe I thought it was more realistic back then that any of this could have happened. Right. And then I saw it again in 2016, just because one of my friends had been talking about it. And so I watched it then a very different feeling afterwards, but it has endured kind of as a fave. And then I watched it again for this. So I always think, wow, I forget how much I liked this movie you know, mm -hmm. that initial watch. And I think it's just like a cozy sweater. I know this sounds really silly, but it's just warm <laughs> and I like feel better when it's on, you know, and I do have to thank you because I feel like rom-coms are the best remedy when you're stuck at home in a pandemic. A hundred percent. Yes. 
Um, I agree with you. I think that this movie is just really lighthearted and really funny. And it's highly entertaining. It genuinely made me laugh, which kind of surprised me upon this rewatch because I haven't seen this in a minute, properly at least, because I know it's on TV a lot. And sometimes I'll just have it on in the background. If it's like 30 minutes in, I just kind of will just let it play out. But I think it's cozy to me in a sense that it brings me back to the early aughts. Like, oh, this was kind of a time where I was idealistic, as you said, and not really understanding in the true labors of what it means to work in a successful relationship. (laughs) The true labors. (laughs) (laughs) Real relationships require a lot of work, right? So I think this brought me back to just being like, oh, this was just so convenient and so easy and so fun, but I'm here for it. Yeah, same. I think I was right there with you just happily clapping along and like applauding (laughs) like this is so cute. It's become a really iconic. It's just like a delightful, iconic film. You know, when you Mm -hmm. think of rom-coms, I mean, how do you not think of this film? But yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I might change that score. But when we get to the end of it, I don't know if that's allowed. (laughs) I'll I'll make sure to ask you uh, when we wrap this up. But do you have any other things that you like about this movie? Well, I really love rom-coms with a twist, I feel Mm -hmm. like, as you know. So in this particular film, I just really feel like both of the leads are kind of deceiving the other for a personal reason or like personal gain. So like no one's really innocent, even though they're both like under the impression that they're driving the train wreck, they actually become a victim, I think, Mm. in each other's assignment. So there was kind of like that built-in mission with a competition or competitive vibe that I loved about it. And I love the whole weaving a strategic game into the script as a plot device. Mm-hmm. Bullshit, if I can say that. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. You know, oh, yes. Very cunning with the, it's all about, it's about reading people, you know, <laughs> in a film about like love and deception, I guess. So kind of like in Crazy Rich Asians and the Machang, you know, so seamlessly where there's that subtext where you are basically reading between the lines. But in the realm, I think of unrealistic timelines of rom-coms, this one Mm -hmm. has also like the most fast-forwarded timeline. So the stakes, like at least to me, just seemed higher somehow. Mm -hmm. So that all just seemed different, at least in terms of the genre. And I love that Michelle, the character, was considered clueless, but I mean, they all were to an extent. Right. <laughs> so yeah. the premise like seemed really different, I guess. And it seemed like a fresh take on rom-coms to me. So like I said, I think it's just like this delightful, sparkling, iconic film. Um, I really like the script and I just love Kate Hudson <laughs> and yes. all of her expressions. And I love Matthew McConaughey and all of his reactions I feel like she's like this twinkling heroine and, you know, she's really career focused. And that kind of really spoke to me at the time because Mm -hmm. I thought that was really important. But then you just kind of feel bad for him. I mean, I don't know. It's (laughs) I guess that wouldn't be a like. But what about you? (laughs) Um, I feel like you've said some really you've shared some really interesting points. And I didn't really have the words to describe it, but I think you really kind of put the nail on the head. I think what makes this movie really entertaining is this kind of like battle of the sexes, this competition, like we're kind of 
wanting to see how this plays out, even though it's quite predictable. It's like, what are the tactics they use to like kind of one up each other? I kind of appreciated the little wink. It's like, why 10 days, Lana, her boss? And then <laughs> Lana just quickly was like, we go to press in 10 days. Like, that's it. And then you're just like, oh, okay. That's reason enough for me to believe that they need to find each other and fall in love within 10 days. And I think that that helps the disbelief needed to be put aside, if that makes any sense. You're like, okay, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if this works out in 10 days. But a thousand percent agree with you about Kate Hudson. I think she kind of wins this movie, actually. She is so unhinged. She's so needy. She's so over the top. And she's so good at it. I love how you said earlier that you were like clapping with glee. Like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. You're just laughing alongside her. And you're just kind of like, how is she pulling this off? This is amazing. And she does it in like the most endearing way possible, especially mm -hmm. if you're going to root for someone who, you know, obviously bad behaviors, which we can talk about later. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, she's just so, I don't know if it's like winsome, something about her effervescence just is so, it just rubs off on you. And then I'm like, wait, who am I actually rooting for in this sense? And who am I cheering for? And who do I actually want to win? And what does it mean when you win? You know, mm -hmm. so you're kind of invested and I I think that they just both did a really good job with balancing that and the script too with the funny parts when they're kind of the back and forth and they both you know after that phone call are like and that's how it's done <laughs> you know <to> the <laughs> that's how it's done. <laughs> so, but yes she is completely unhinged so again I don't know what that says about me that I love these characters <laughs> and films where they're just so incredibly zany and off whatever beaten path or off Right. That's so interesting that you kind of recognize this pattern in yourself that you like these characters. And is that healthy? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be Michelle, like the character, but my therapist? <laughs> if I could expand a little bit more on the character that Kate Hudson plays, Andy Anderson, which, you know, the alliteration in these names are just such a wink and a nod. Andy Anderson and Benjamin Barry. Um, <laughs> you, you also mentioned this, that she is very career focused. She's really good at her. Well, we assume that she's really good at her job, or we want her to be able to write what she wants to write, which is about politics and world issues. But she's kind of reduced to writing about how to talk your way out of a speeding ticket and how to feng shui your apartment and all that stuff. So I feel like off the bat, we're rooting for Andy. We like know that she could do more than what with what she's given, I guess. And she's also like this really cool girl, right? She like, Yes. can down a cheeseburger and watch sports, but also be really beautiful. And as you say, like, she's effervescent. She's just, she's just like this amazing girl that maybe girls just want to be and guys want to be with. I would say too, I think the reason why I feel like we root for her at the beginning is because she technically was just trying to save her friend's face or whatever. Mm -hmm. When she agreed to do this to begin with, just so that her friend wouldn't be embarrassed publicly, you know, so she's kind of doing this sort of on behalf of her friend. But yeah. Yeah. Michelle played by Katherine Hahn, which fun fact, this apparently was her feature film debut. And I thought that she did a really, really good job at it. Yeah. I remembered watching this and thinking she was going to be the next big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. she She's done a lot of random, not random. She's done a lot of different characters, I would say, which every time I see her on screen, I'm like, yes, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a great ride. So shout out to Katherine Hahn. Also shout out. I know that this is a trend. I say this almost every time that there's a movie that takes place in New York City and that is actually filmed in New York City. But again, this happens here and I really appreciate it. 
There's a lot of like New York City tropes, though, like the opening scene, I think. Matthew McConaughey is on his motorcycle and he's like at a stoplight, but then like cars are just jam packed. He can't get through, but thank God he's on a motorcycle so he can weave through traffic. But yeah, that just always makes me like chuckle, but also like roll my eyes a little bit. I think these rom-coms kind of depict New York City to be this hustle bustle, really, really tough city. But I think like it is that, but it's also like a really sweet city. I think a lot of people are very nice in New York City that we don't really get that kind of reputation for. I agree. I think so. That was one of my themes, um, just the city as a character. I Mm. loved all the incorporations of the Knicks and MSG, like Madison Square Garden. And I'm saying that really like lamenting in like the sense that I just really can't wait till we can go back and see live music concerts and, you know, sporting events because I really miss, I mean, even going to Broadway and museums, but the city is a character. I Mm -hmm. love that. And I have to shout out also just Ben's apartment because I feel like a lot of the films that we see on TV or any sitcoms that feature the city, they always have an unrealistic, like, sized apartment. You know, and his technically like a studio with the bed just like very close to the kitchen and the bathroom. And so, and even like the color of it and the building, Mm -hmm. I was like, I think that this is the most realistic place I've seen for someone who lives by themselves. Because Typically, it's a much larger apartment with lots of natural light. And, yes. you know, I was just like, that's so unbelievable, especially for the price that you're probably paid. And right. he might be making, like, not bad money, you know. I don't know why we're going in this direction, but <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I always, like, assess that realism element when I'm watching anything that's, you know, set in the city, too. I totally agree with you. And I don't know if I necessarily would have agreed with you until just this moment about how Benjamin's apartment is appropriate. But I think you're right. It's very Benjamin Barry, like dark leather. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of natural light. Like we, the only time we see his apartment is usually like after work hours. And I would have to say you're right. He's probably really successful at his job. And you know, we they're believable in the sense that they're not like fresh out of college right. and, you know, scraping by on $30,000 salary, you know, like he's, he seems pretty and quite established in his job. So I, I buy it, you know, and, <laughs> but also just random note, I realized after this rewatch that we never see Andy's apartment. Yeah. I have a lot of comments about that later, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll get to. But... I love it. Okay, cool. <laughs> And then just like one last thing that I really liked is the music, just because I mentioned this movie kind of brought me back to the early aughts in a good way, a little bit more wistful. But yeah, I just like Carly Simon, You're So Vain was, you know, (laughs) kind of a theme in this movie. What other songs? Uh, Keith Urban. I'm not too familiar with his music, but whenever I hear the song, it's just this movie to me. And then Mm -hmm. Gin Blossoms. It was just a moment. And I, I really just appreciate when music can bring me back in a good way. I agree. And they all, it was like such a complimentary way that they incorporated it too, where it wasn't mm-hmm. distracting. And I don't know, it really moves like everything along. Yeah. Are there any other things that you liked? I liked so many things about this. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> I, there's, it's funny because there's such a balance. There's so many things I really liked, but there's so many things I also really didn't like about the film. So sometimes I'm like, is this a good film? I have so many questions. I mm. think more in like the 
dislikes, but I just like the two leads. So even though I think it's a pretty long film for a mm-hmm. rom-com, yeah. but it moves so quickly that I'm always fully engrossed. And it's funny because we know what happens, but I'm still like invested, like, oh, what's what, what are they going to do? And <laughs> even if I can anticipate an expression and the lines, and I can probably quote some of these verbatim, I still really, I think the only thing I did differently in this watch was I literally sat down and wrote down the 10 days and what happened during those days, because I just mm. wanted for my own timekeeping, like, okay, in my head, what actually happened on what day? So I went through and kind of chronologically logically, you know, laid that out. So that was Mm -hmm. a bit different of a watch for me. And that was the only thing I've done differently. Because in my head, I was like, was it really 10 days? So what day would it have started on? It would have happened on a Friday, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And then it went into that final Sunday where they had the gala or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I know this isn't really probably something you would do, but I always think to myself, if I were Ben, like at what point during the 10 days would I have tapped out? Dude, I thought about that. <laughs> okay, okay. So I guess we can talk about that later because I know definitively like what day that would be. Oh man, I wish I did what you did about like listing out the days. Um, we can definitely get into that, but I'm so curious when we come to that question. There's so much that I could say about it at the same time that I don't, like you said, it's a very lighthearted film. I don't know how heavy deep it goes into like emotional territory or even development Mm -hmm. yeah and I I feel like that's probably one of the things that I don't like about the movie but I'm gonna hold for that thought I do want to kind of give Matthew McConaughey some credit I feel like I've been waxing on about how much I love Kate Hudson in this movie but I do think that Matthew McConaughey as Benjamin Barry was really charming. And I was going through his IMDb. So, you know, like Matthew McConaughey is still a list. He actually came out with a memoir not too long ago. And oh, I didn't I know yet. that. <laughs> yeah, it's called Green Lights, I think. And actually, Frank bought the book and read Wait, it. What? <laughs> yes. Can you give us like a little summation? <laughs> it was funny because it was so out of the blue and he bought the book because it came from a recommendation from a a friend whose opinion he really respects so he devoured the book like in a day and frank was just like this is so fascinating matthew mcconaughey has so many interesting stories his life is kind of wild but anyway i digress matthew mcconaughey was a star and still is a star but i found his imdb kind of uh interesting to kind of go back and look so if i may uh 2001 was the wedding planner which i think was his big rom-com uh foray and then this movie in 2003 and then 2006 he does failure to launch with sarah jessica parker 2008 he does fool's gold again with kate hudson which i actually have not seen i haven't seen that either and i need to that's reminding me because i just love their chemistry together um and then 2009 he does ghosts of girlfriends past with uh jennifer garner Ooh, I need to see that. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of fun and very lighthearted. But I think that kind of ties in all of his rom-coms. But he definitely had like a streak of eight years where he was pretty much bankrolling on these rom-coms. But, you know, he, he found a niche that he, I think, eventually got bored of. But I think we all loved him in this like charismatic, charming guy who who is just Matthew McConaughey. He's so lovable as like a rogue mm-hmm. because his friends anyway said that even 10 days was nine days longer than any relationship yes. he's ever 
one. And so yes. I'm like, I'm literally cheering and supporting someone who only has had one night stands up until this point, right. you know, and has had no further relations with anyone. So that was really interesting too. But it's funny how you kind of go back and forth between, you know, who is actually right in a scenario or who's literally like off the chains wild. Yeah. So let's move on to then things we don't like about this movie. It's just so predictable. And like, it's, I shouldn't say that this is why I don't like it. Because all rom-coms are predictable. But when I kind of think about my answer a little bit more, and I mentioned this already, it's just, it doesn't have a whole lot of emotional meat to me. I don't feel like I uncovered anything I didn't know already, which might be asking a lot for a rom-com to do. (laughs) Um, And that's fine. Like I said, it's just very lighthearted. But I think that's like maybe the biggest reason why I don't like it. How about you? What, What are some things you don't like? Oh, gosh. Okay. I feel like this is probably equally as long of a list. Um, I think the ultimate cringe scene for me was where they both go off at a public event. So that was really rough. Even like asking Marvin Hamlish or whatever to play mm-hmm. like a song that like a random song. By the way, I did not know who he was before this film. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, me neither. No, I thought that was really interesting when they introduced him. But just the cringe factor alone for all of that. Every time Krull, the little dog, would pee on a pool table, that's one of my biggest pet peeves when someone goes into a professional environment with their pet and, you know, their dog or whatever, and the dog just has an accident. I understand they happen, but someone has to clean it up. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's like really rough. And her reactions too to it, where she was just like, oh, Tinkle King. And I'm like, I would literally strangle someone who made me clean Tinkle it King. off of the pool table, you know? Yeah. Probably the biggest disconnect for me, though, was Ben at that little meet up in Mullins or whatever and he was saying you know I love women and Mm. we know about his one night stand history but I just can't connect the dots I guess to him claiming he loves women and listening to them to and that's why I can sell myself to any woman anywhere anytime I'm like wait a minute I, Mm -hmm. I don't know how we like get from A to B like that's really a little bit of a, like, nobody would make that connection, Yeah, you know? So that was kind of, like, unrealistic, obviously, because it's rom-com. But for me personally, I was like, that's not a great disconnect. And equally strange was Andy's staff meeting. You know, everyone is a family, and they have to take their shoes off, and some of them were barefoot. That's another (laughs) thing. I do not – I have worked with people who I don't want them to take their shoes off. Fair, yes, agree. And um, we have to sit in this room and yeah, just the scene also where she's talking in a movie theater. I don't know if that ever bothers you, but she was, I don't know. I'm really like when I go to a movie theater, I'm not saying I want everyone to be quiet, but I try to be considerate, you know, and I try not to wrinkle too many wrappers or, you know, like chomping on popcorn at quiet, silent moments, you know? So I wouldn't mind if someone, you know, had to clear their throat or something during a film, but that much talking would really bother me. And at like outside volume. Yeah. And then getting upset with the person who's asked. (laughs) I I mean, I've never shushed anyone in a theater because I just wouldn't be able to. Yeah. I guess I always view these in a sense of where I'm in the room somehow and how Mm. I would respond. 
friend. And that's why like, I wouldn't be okay with it. But overall, the biggest dislike is definitely the bad behavior element. And all I could think about was what you said before when you were like, beautiful women can really get away with everything or anything. And so all Mm -hmm. I could think about was just like the bad behavior element Because if someone is calling and leaving you messages to that degree and then cold calling your parents unprompted, yes, you don't even know that you maybe exist. And like making that album, like a family photo (laughs) album after a few days, I mean, that's like all of the red flags to me. So I don't know, just I think the realism aspect, you definitely have to put that aside. But there are parts where... Again, I feel really bad for him at the same time that I know that he's also trying to be deceptive in his own way. So I don't know. <laughs> what about mm-hmm. you? Um, you brought up a few good points that I, I agree with you for sure. The disconnects and how like they just kind of unveiled the story with Ben at the bar. He tries to convince his boss that he's the man to pitch the Delowers, right? And I, I also struggle with this because it's just... A, this boss, uh, Phil Philip Warren, this is more of a WTF for me. It's just like, I do not think that Mr. Warren would give Benjamin Barry, like he would not put this on the line as a result of a bet of <laughs> getting a woman to fall in love with him. That was just a huge leap. And then also Andy pitching to her boss, Lana, played by B.B. Newworth, which was a delight. Yeah, only slightly less I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you said that beautiful women can get away with anything. This is 100% true in this movie as it was in Heartbreakers. (laughs) Kate Hudson is the only woman who could make this work. There's this line that Michelle says in the movie. She was like, in the beginning, she's like, you know, Andy, you could barf on a guy and he would still like ask you out again. And Andy's like, no, Michelle. Just if- do it again. <laughs> yeah. And Andy's like, you're gross. If I did the things you did, no man would call me back. So they kind of like threw that in just because, you know, she's just so beautiful and perfect that she can get away with anything. She basically does. It's also interesting to me that you say that you kind of feel bad for Ben at points. And I don't know if I ever felt bad for him, but... I guess I do, because he's just trying to, like, grit his teeth, grit and bear it so much. And you're just like, there's no way any normal man would deal with (laughs) with this behavior, with this bad behavior. And he only did because he's never been in a relationship. So he doesn't know, like, what one looks like, right? I love that he was playing the thong song as, like, the first night that she comes (laughs) into his apartment. <laughs> oh my god oh yeah i think that's right the nelly nelly hot in here you're right so here's one other thing that i didn't like about this movie is that and again it's a rom-com i get it but after like sitting with this movie and re-watching it i realize there's not actually a lot of opportunity for andy and ben to be their true selves with each other andy i think dials it up real quick like date number one the Knicks game just planted the seed already it's not until they go to Staten Island, which I'm not sure what day it is, but that's kind of when she nine. softens. <laughs> was that nine? Day nine? nine? I think it was like a, it was meant to be like an overnight stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like day one to eight, I guess, is when she is just dialing it up to 11, just like going all out. But this stay in Staten Island with Ben's family is when she really kind of maybe acknowledges to herself like, oh, I'm falling for this guy. If I were to show my true self, 
I guess I have a hard time believing that they fall for each other when so much of the 10 days is them not being their true selves. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I think no matter what deception you're trying to pull or whatever, you know, I'm sure there are elements that are real and they can be incorporated and they kind of leak through the deception or whatever. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there were many opportunities to really showcase Um, at least for her, because I felt like she was under deadline. (laughs) So she was trying to like add gas to the pedal like every day and was going Mm -hmm. harder. And whereas I felt like he was just trying to coast and he thought it was going to be really easy. But yeah, whenever we get to WTF moments, I just feel like there were so many of them. Yep. hundred (laughs) percent. So I kind of wrote this down, but I didn't really... I wasn't able to like get anywhere critically about this thought, but again, this movie's lighthearted. It's fun. But I had to like ask myself the question, like it's very gendered. It's very much so painting the picture that women are needy and are ridiculous and can or cannot get away with it. Meanwhile, men are depicted as just kind of like sticking it out. But I couldn't really get any nail on the head with this thought. And I know that it's meant to be gendered, like women can depict all this bad behavior and get away with it. But I don't know, I, I kind of wasn't able to get further than that. And I just, I'm kind of stuck. But do you kind of see where I'm oh, coming yes, from? Oh, yes, absolutely. Like all caps, big problem. I think <laughs> there were too many weird assumptions about gender roles and assigning them all throughout this film. So that was definitely a glaring thing that I saw through this watch that I don't think I noticed prior to. I think initially it was just so delightful. And the second time again, like a great reminder of how much I had loved it the first time. And then Mm -hmm. this time more critically, it was like, again, this is problematic. (laughs) There are parts of these that, you know, don't age well. And I think that's one of the biggest parts about it. And there was a lot of inappropriateness too about Mm -hmm. those gender roles and assigning them to, especially in business settings and in business meetings. And so- Mm -hmm. It's funny that I walk away enjoying the movie so much when I'm like, wait a second, there's actually, when I break it down, a lot of not great moments. Um, And it's like, is that a WTF moment? Is that just Mm -hmm. not okay? Yeah. So I don't know if I have like a fully formed way to say that, but that was definitely something that I noticed all throughout this time. And yeah. But it's strange that it didn't bother me enough to kind of, maybe I just kind of put it in a little box of that was a moment in time. And so like at that time it was okay. You know, it's weird that it's still like a most beloved film. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I 100% agree with you because I think when I sat down to rewatch this movie, I put myself in the mindset of, okay, this movie was made in 2003, which by the way is 18 years ago. Oh my God. (laughs) WTF. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, you kind of, or I, I automatically put myself, as you said, like we we put this in a little box and you're able to kind of sit with it and be like, yeah, the world was very different 18 years ago in 2003. And you and I, we were not the age of what the actors are, right? Like the story (laughs) of like these, I don't know, mid to late 20 year olds. I don't know how old they're supposed to be, but at 2003, you're like, oh, that's that's just how life is when you're at that age that Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson are playing. 
time is just a really weird and funny thing. Like, I don't know why there are some movies where I'm able to sit and watch, but the movie was made 20 years ago. And you're like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is absolutely (laughs) wrong. But for me, for this movie, I'm kind of like you. I was able to sit with it and just be like, oh my gosh, it's really funny. But also this is kind of cringe. And I just don't know why I'm able to be so forgiving to certain movies. And this is one of those movies, I think where it's like very problematic inherently trying to prove that men and women are so different, which, you know, we are in many ways, but it's just kind of hard to age that story in a nice way, I guess. It's funny because I think in our last episode together, I talked about the pop songs thing where Mm -hmm. I kind of equated that. And so for this viewing and other films, I feel like, I'm taking a yearbook off of a shelf and dusting it off and kind of flipping through the pages and just really like loving the memories that are encapsulated and kind of wrapped up in the book and just loving it for what it was like, cause it was a moment in time, you know, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it, but then I just close it back up and put it back in the shelf when I'm done. Right. Like you know, I kind of acknowledge that it was the moment in time that it was, and you learn the lessons that you needed to from it, you know, and you'll always think of it fondly, I guess, because that's still how I view this film. More of the side of positivity and adoration than I would say the problematic aspects of it. So I think it's just kind of, you know, like a yearbook. It wasn't always like pretty. It wasn't always perfect. I don't know if that makes any sense. (laughs) No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that's a very digestible way to understand it for sure. Yeah, I guess that is just what it is. You know, we're able to just compartmentalize and be like, yeah, this was just how it was. And that's fine. And it's okay. But we've moved past that. We're better now. And we'll just continue being better, I guess. But I'm sorry, I don't I don't know how to say what I feel about it. For some reason, I can't I can't find my words. Yeah, I feel the same way. All right, well, let's let's move on to general themes. I think we've kind of alluded to a few, but let's dive in a little bit more. Um, Do you want to start with one? Sure. I think it's really common for rom-coms for someone to make a bet about a potential love Mm. interest and Mm -hmm. something along those lines. But in this case, there was quote unquote, like high stakes gambling, I guess, with the end reveal always being a very public and problematic way (laughs) because someone always finds out, you know, but in this sense, it wasn't just one way. It was like a two way street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's funny. I guess it's a very classic way of setting up a rom-com is just the bet. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, uh, like this movie, 10 Things I Hate About You, She's All That. There's just so many bets. And it's not a positive way to start a love story, but I guess like (laughs) (laughs) they kind of work. So similar to you, but I've phrased it in my mind a little bit different. We've talked about this idea of deception and competition. I started to write down like deception never really works and it's always best to be yourself and never to like fake anything. But I feel like deception does work because it's what hooked Andy and Ben up together in the first place. It's like you're deceived, but then you kind of work through your baggage and your problems and then you're able to find some happy medium at the end and like forgive and move on together. Oh my gosh, that's so funny because I think that I can see that playing out in like real time and now for some reason, (laughs) not like that you're being tricked or whatever, but just, you know, they might not be what you thought or I don't know. I can see set up circumstances where 
somebody might be more featured in a more positive light, I guess, because I think I've seen that happen before to people I know. Mm. And you've dated people before, potentially, maybe, I mean, you collective, you, not you, Michelle, you, (laughs) but, (laughs) you know, you've dated someone, you're like, okay, this is not what I signed up for, because Mm -hmm. I had no idea. So yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess, love finds its way in very many different forms. An interesting thing I took away, or what I think is interesting, is these roles that our friends play in our relationship. So Andy has her two sidekicks, uh, Michelle and Jeannie, and Ben has his friends who are Thayer and Tony, I believe. I couldn't help but think that friends can really make a huge impact on the decisions we make in relationships. I think I was trying to like relate this movie to my own life. And I was just like, wow, these like these friends really play a pivotal role in Andy and Ben coming together and encouraging them. Like you mentioned like that, that scene where Ben's friends are like, oh, that's nine days longer than you spent with anybody. So like they know Ben as his true self, but then fast forward, his friends are like, no, you got to make this work. You know, this is a, you got a lot on the line. Why don't you suggest couples counseling? And so, you know, that lures Ben back in. He's like, I'm still in the game. We're going to go to couples counseling. And then meantime, Andy's girlfriends are, you know, Michelle is the inspiration for Andy in writing the story. I don't know. I, I was just like, wow, like our daily relationships with our friends and the people we hold most dear might have a really big impact on how we approach our own relationship with our significant other. Is that a stretch? Am I stretching this a little too far? Not at all. I was basically like emphatically nodding, but (laughs) you can't really (laughs) say that in a podcast. But yeah, I think that our friends definitely inform and shape. There have been times where someone has asked me like, okay, my like SO did this. Like, is that weird? Like, is that Mm -hmm. like normal? And you're just kind of like, oh, okay. So you kind of give advice to the best of your ability that you can. And I think that their quote unquote sidekicks were really hilarious because when, especially like you said, when Ben wanted to give up, like he walked out and tried to resolve everything with Andy. Like when she was in the elevator and the friends were all listening, like I loved that part. And they're all like, I'm going to go listen. (laughs) And they have their ears basically to the door. And when he walks back in, they just kind of like disperse. And yeah, yeah. And then he's like, well, I guess it's over then. And some of the guys are immediately like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. They're just like, immediately like ready to kind of make him feel better and console him. And then like the two of them are like, no, you, this is not over yet. You mm-hmm. have to like, you know, and they kind of kept him going. And I think the same thing for her, too, where they were trying to give her ideas and maybe, you know, plan together what they could do. I mean, and I know for like my relationship, like I would not have met Andrew if it weren't for our friends, you know? Mm -hmm. So they kind of introduced us and thought we would really get along. And so it's one of those things where when, especially when they were at Mullins trying to find a guy and the girls were like, oh, what about like this person? Mm -hmm. Or what about like, they were both being her like wing chicks, I guess. And they were like, yeah, like, go try him. Like, let's see if that'll work. I think there are times too, when you're hanging out with your friends where you may act or respond or do things that you probably wouldn't without like their moral support being mm-hmm. so like in proximity, like right next to you. So yeah, I definitely feel that in a big way too. Yeah. And I don't think that this is, you know, what this movie is trying to say, but it's just kind of interesting, at least to me, that 
this is kind of what I'm taking away from this. <laughs> Anything else to add about themes? Again, there are so many, like the chase scene, you know, yes. with their dramatic declaration of that. I mean, it wasn't at an airport, so it was a little bit different. We've been talking about the friends, so I guess like the broken best friend, you know, mm. in this case, her like quote unquote pathetic inability, I guess, to hang on to a guy. Yep. And the B plot couple with Michelle and Mike, because that's another yes. story too. And there's always like a B plot where they get much less screen time. Stalking, I think being seen as a romantic gesture was a big one for me because, Mm. you know, like I said, all these behaviors where if someone (laughs) is busting into my place with a key that they had made, (laughs) I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, they really love me. I'd be like, I need to move tomorrow, (laughs) (laughs) Um, maybe tonight. And just generally, like we've said, all of the ridiculous things that happen in the pursuit of romance. I think irrational forgiveness to me, there really is no excusing the bad behavior, but in a rom-com, it's rampant. So if someone though made a fool of me, I think in front of my colleagues and my superiors, that just, to the extent that he is kind of like Ben in this case, is hung out to dry with like all the dirty laundry surrounding him that someone else is making up. Mm -hmm. That's really rough. And I think just the social experiment quote unquote, typically it's a makeover, but in this sense, it was, you know, let's see what we can do to drive someone away. Yeah. So kind of like the themes, I think for me that were like overarching in my viewing. Yeah. I love it. So many. Um, I am excited to hear what your favorite scenes are. I really want to know yours too. Um, (laughs) Probably the meet cute scene where they just made really quick assessments about their interest and Mm -hmm. they caught right to the chase. Like it's on. I always love, (laughs) and especially the script, they did it in a really succinct way. It was like mono syllables, like one word each, you know, back and forth. And I really liked that. Yeah. And shortly before that too, Andy walking around trying to find guys and she. like sort of is talking to a married man and and their first meal together and their banter about each other's jobs I just I really enjoyed that and the therapist scene I thought was really funny Um, there's so many funny moments and having Marvin Hamlish to play a random song he had no idea like poor guy he literally was like that's not one of my songs like and he's there to do a performance for a crowd and it turned into hysteria I guess but what about you so honestly this was hard for me to pick but I think every scene that I ended up like putting pen to paper was a scene where Andy was just the most (laughs) and yeah I think again I said it and I'll say it again I think Kate Hudson shines in this movie I think she wins this movie I buy into her crazy. The family album scene gets me uh, like, oh it's just like, <laughs> what? Like, how? How did she get away with this? And then her just pretending to be a vegetarian. You can see like how her <laughs> mind is like churning in like real time. She's like, how can I make this scenario really bad? <laughs> it's just, I don't know. The delivery is A+. plus. The whole the poker. Po- the poker. Yeah. I was just going to say that poker <laughs> scene gets me because the love fern, she, no one loves a Mr. Sniffles and she takes a tissue and asks him to blow his nose. Oh, <laughs> uh, that gets me. Like in front of all of his friends, he blows his nose and she's like, she comments on the color of his <laughs> like boogers. <laughs> it's just, 
my favorite line, I think, from the entire movie. I love the whole love fern idea, too. And the guy that was like, what the hell's a love fern? (laughs) (laughs) The friend who's in the poker group. But I loved when she was like, you let it die. And he's like, no, honey, it's just sleeping. Like, it's my favorite line. Which I love because it was all improv, too, where... I saw that. Yeah, parts of it later, but the director was like, okay, just go in and just, like, he tells them to try to have a poker night, and then he tells her just be disruptive. She just does it so effortlessly, which is really funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm sh- I am know I'm missing a few, like, the Benny Boo Boo Boo, which is just, like, she seals it with that, and she ends it with that when he uh, chases her. I think it's the Manhattan Bridge. And this is not necessarily a favorite, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. But Andy in her beautiful yellow dress. Oh, I loved it. Flawless. Flawless. Yeah. And I feel like it's still a showstopper now, 18 years later. Like that dress holds up. She wears it beautifully. Yeah. Fashion statement for sure. And also when Ben is kind of discovering all the supplies in his bathroom and his reaction to... (laughs) Uh, and she's just sitting there, like, hugging those little, like, Dwayne Reed stuffed animals. Yes, <laughs> like, ew. <laughs> like, a number one lover. You know those things that you see in Dwayne Reed where you're like, who would ever buy this? I know. I'm so sorry to your listeners. But, I mean, maybe if you're, you know, short on time or whatever. But it's just, was Not she even. decorated this place with? <laughs> yeah, it's so spot on. Like, how did Ben... I don't know, man, what a sport he was. He really just held through because she really dialed it up <laughs> to the max. Ultimate like, crazy. Ultimate crazy. Yeah, like buying Vagisil and like, it's just, <laughs> it's just so good. Okay, let's move on to my personal favorite, the WTF moments. You mentioned that there is a long list on your end. I have quite a few as well. Okay. <laughs> if you don't mind, I would like to start off because this always bugs me. Uh, there's a token Asian character in this movie. Her name is Lori. She is one of the people who work at Composure. I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> yes. She is Asian American and she has freaking chopsticks in her hair. I can't. Why was this a trend? I don't, I'm getting angry now. Like, ugh, like, no. Why was this a thing ever? Did anyone ever give them to you? Because I got those as gifts. Really? Like yes. chopstick accessories? Yes. <laughs> moving on but oh my gosh like I just I'm irritated I'm annoyed that this was a trend and of course the one Asian American character is just like so depicted as wearing chopsticks in her hair major eye roll moving on wait I just want to add to that oh Lana wearing like a chi pow too yes <laughs> I, I noticed that and I was just like mm, yeah this appropriation is not not cute. <laughs> Not cute. Okay, so I guess we're going to go back and forth. So I always think of what I would never do, and I would never leave my entire handbag like with wallet in it at a stranger's place that I just met. Yes. There's your license inside, all your cards. You know he's going to go through it. But honestly, in this day and age, like, what if he ghosted you after that? Mm. And then you're just like, hi, can I get my Knicks tickets? And he like goes to the game with your, you know what I mean? There's just so much of that that I'm not okay with. So to me, that was a definite WTF. Even the first time I was like, no, 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 no. I hope, I mean, she obviously had something on her because she was able to get home, but yeah. 
you know, he definitely said when he was on the phone with her, like, oh, yeah, I did go through it. Your ID, like your cash, like all your cards. I just wouldn't do that for someone I had just met. Obviously, if it's an accident, it's an accident. It was intentional in this case. But if I just met someone, unless he was introduced to me by people I knew and they knew his family and things like that, I would not be leaving any of my personal belongings at their place and just trusting that they'll do the right thing and get it back to you. Um, A thousand percent. I am embarrassed. I didn't write this one down, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. WTF. Andy's putting so much trust in Ben. I would never do that either. Right. And now we have, you know, apps and Apple Pay and things like that. But back then we didn't. And I just remember thinking, oh no, what if you don't get it back or I don't know. I can just think of so many scenarios where you could call him and he could, after you fully knowing that you left it there and placed it there, he could say, I never saw it. Mm. Yeah. I guess Andy is just so confident that Ben is going to call her back. Like she really, (laughs) she really was feeling herself. If she was like, oh yeah, no big deal. I hooked him. Yeah. What if they're using your cards? I'm just very like, from a practical point. Oh, for sure. I would definitely be concerned about that. Okay, so presumably Andy and Ben are having shower sex at Ben's parents' house. I I don't think that it's appropriate to be intimate at, I don't even think she's calling him his her boyfriend, but yeah, it's just kind of uncomfortable. Like, really, you're going to be intimate for the first time at Ben's parents' home in Staten <laughs> Island? <laughs> Oof, yikes. I definitely agree with that. That's something I would also not be comfortable with. Don't think it's realistic. <laughs> and to add to that too, the first night that Andy goes home with Ben and she's, you know, in his bathroom, it's a studio and she's calling her friend. Mm-hmm. I know that that happens in movies and in shows, but I cannot think of a single time that's ever happened to me or any of my friends or anyone I know where they're in the bathroom, just giving you a rundown of what's happening in real time, mm-hmm. where he can hear you, at least in the New York apartments I've seen, you can hear what's happening in there because it's a small space, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. Agree with you. Like like I'm in a, a- dingle for He's like right there. Yes. <laughs> I'm the bait myself. It's like he's like literally on the other side of the door. That is such a good catch. Agree with you on all fronts. I've never done that either. Maybe like I've shot texts to like yeah. a friend. But never had a full-blown phone conversation. (laughs) Do you have any more? Yeah, I have a few. So at the end, when Ben just handed the cab driver some cash and was like, oh, take her things back to her place. I'm like, what the F? You know, that would never happen in IRL because he's like, oh, yeah, just she's got alternate transportation. So you're just putting your good faith in this cab driver. Uh, Yes. Do you know how many things that I know of that I've lost and people I know have lost just because the cab driver took off before you were done Mm. with all the things that you were trying to remove? You know, um, I've had the cab driver before in cities where I'm traveling who insists that something has to be kept in the front. And then when you take your things out, just drive off with it. No. So she made him pull over in the middle of traffic on a bridge too, which was already really dangerous, you know? So no matter how much money you give him, your stuff is not ending back at your place. So that's that. Another big one for me, when I said cold calling the parent for photos for a future family album. So if I'm the parent and I get a call from a stranger and they want photos of my son, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. 
send them photos. Sure, sure. That sounds like someone who wants all your passwords and your Wi-Fi, like everything, you know, give me your PIN number. Like that's just not something I think anyone would do. And I wouldn't be on one day like, oh, I love you terms with that person. Yes. Here's my follow-up to that is that Ben's mom must have been so taken aback by Andy calling her that she, the mom, must have been like, hey, Ben, your girlfriend reached out to me. Right. But Ben had zero idea that this conversation took place. And Andy had never even met the mom. And she's saying, I love you. I was actually just reminded, if I if I may share a thought. Um, (laughs) You mentioned earlier about like talking in movie theaters and Andy just doing the most. The reason why Andy doesn't sit well with me on many ways, but she is like causing detriment to Ben's life. But I feel like there's a peripheral of other people whose lives she's affecting too, right? Like the guy at the movie theater, Ben's friends, Ben's co-workers, Ben's parents, Ben's family. Like it's not just Ben as an isolated individual that you're duping. I feel like Andy is duping everyone in Ben's life that he like touches on a daily basis. So I think like I get that Andy is trying to prove, you know, that she can lose a guy in 10 days. But if this were a real person in the real world, I feel like that's like sociopath behavior. Totally. Not caring what other people think or not caring the feelings that you're hurting other than Ben. Like if it was just strictly, strictly Ben, I might be able to buy it. But the fact that it's a ripple effect and she's like affecting the lives of random strangers and friends and family, it's just like, that's ruthless, man. That's, that's really, that's rough. I agree completely. In the real world, if this type of bet were to happen, I always try to think if I, you know, not that I would ever do anything like that, but if I were somehow in this accidental parallel universe where something like that happened, I would try to involve as few people as possible. And really felt to, for WTF, if she started to have feelings for this guy and she went to Lana and was like, look, I really, I just can't, you know, I can't do that to him. I'm like, it's a magazine column for your job. If your face is on there and you do deceive him at some point, it may get back to him. He could just Google you and that would come up, you know, Mm -hmm. and then he could read about your crazy deceptive And so I would never be able to put my name behind something like that, where you're not writing this anonymously. Not that that gives you the wherewithal to do that if you do. But, you know, when Lana responded poorly, you could just write whatever ending you wanted. And then you could just do whatever and he would never know it was him. Or I really felt like she just Mm. took it so seriously. Like, no, I need to document everything. And if I ended up liking the guy the first day, I would just write a different article. You know, and just, I wouldn't say make it up, but I just felt like she had other options she wasn't exploring where she was so focused on, okay, I need to write a how-to. And I'm like, but do you? (laughs) That is such a good point, Rosanna. I always thought that when I was watching it initially, because I already thought that that was so unrealistic. I guess the biggest question is why is she working at a fashion mag and, you know, not somewhere more politically focused or in freelance, but who 
would actually benefit or need to read the article? (laughs) This is such crazy content. Can someone explain to me the personality that needs to know a situation where they have to get rid of someone (laughs) in 10 days? You know what I mean? Or me and only want a relationship for 10 days, you know? Yeah, I think that the premise in and of itself, like in the beginning, one of the things that I think you and I both don't like is just like, so how did we get here? Like what? It's such a big disconnect. Like why is this the driving force behind losing the guy in 10 days? But 100%, Andy could have written any article she would have wanted. Maybe it would have had to be fact-checked, but like to risk the love of Ben or just like getting fired from a job? I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't think it's that hard of a decision in the end, right? Like, I just don't see anyone from a fashion mag fact checking your sources, <laughs> you know, are they going to go right. find the guy and see? And then along those same lines, too, I don't believe any fashion mag would go traipsing around telling people what future content is going to come out that would never mm. happen. I think it's pretty lockdown vault style info before print. You don't mm-hmm ever let anyone know. So the fact that Lana is just kind of telling everyone like, oh, we've got this great article, probably because it's so wild, no one would ever do it. But I don't believe that that would just be information that's shared freely. She gets intimate too. She was like, she has nicknamed his penis. To a total stranger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Lana, come on. I'm assuming she's editor in chief or some senior person at the at Composure magazine. She should know better for sure. Yeah, and on Ben's behalf, just the shirt off in the office and his yes. helping him dress. <laughs> oh my gosh, so gratuitous! And like crashing a business meeting. If you crash a business meeting, you're thrown out. I'm sorry. I don't care what industry you're in. No one's going to be like, oh, have a seat. Interesting take. All right, let's have a bet. You know, I feel like they'd be like, get out. We don't have any time to waste. Oh, man, so many WTFs. You mentioned this earlier, but I just want to double down on it. Is that Andy taking the stage at the gala? Like, WTF. <laughs> no freaking way. Again, like Andy's just kind of sabotaging not only Ben, and I mean, she's very angry at this point. I get it. But she's just putting everyone in harm's way, just like outing everybody, not just Ben. Like, I always think of it in terms of if I'm at my work holiday party or something, and then one of my colleagues' girlfriend that they brought has that public of a meltdown. I mean, wouldn't she be like, are you still with her? Like, is that right. going? Like, I think there would be some questions. And then all of a sudden later, you see her as like a totally normal, insane, sweet individual. I don't think them coming to me and just being like, oh, no, she was just doing it for like an article that I'd be like, all right, that's fine. I guess. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you're right. Yeah, well, they're cute. So it's fine. Like, I just feel it's such a public display. And it's so crazy. And everyone was uncomfortable in that Oh, room. my gosh. <laughs> <But> everyone. <laughs> which was, I mean, everyone was like the audience watching too. But I think two of the biggest problems I think I have, which there are there's so many. <laughs> At the beginning when they're like, oh, we have to get Michelle here. So getting to Michelle's place, getting her ready and back Mm -hmm. to the office in 20 minutes. I don't care where you live in Manhattan. (laughs) That is not happening or realistic. I mean, even if they live down the street, it takes longer than that, you know, to get all of that done, even if you're next door. So that was a big 
problem I had with, um, again, I think it's the misconception. It's almost like LA traffic where if you plan on anything, you got to plan that the other person might be half an hour late like or up to, you know what I mean? So that was a big thing. But the biggest one that I thought ever since the first watch was when she says she didn't eat meat and they went to that lobster restaurant right after oh. they initially met. And I was like, come on, Ben. <laughs> like that was one of the biggest things where I was like, no one else sees this. <laughs> where- Wait, I didn't catch that. Oh my gosh. That's such a good catch. <laughs> biggest like WTF moment for me because for, ever since the first time I'm like, no, she just had meat though. Like I know that she said, <laughs> where's my bacon? Cause her friends know she eats it, but he took her to a lobster restaurant. And then asked her what she thought of it. And she was like, the food or you? But it's like, she's cracking those legs. You know, he was helping her. You are 100% correct. I mean, wow, I totally missed that one. Not necessarily a WTF, but I don't know why I caught this this time on this rewatch. But there's so much product placement. So you just reminded me, like, when Andy goes to Michelle's apartment in the beginning, she's like, grabbing all the samples, putting it into a Revlon bag. And all I saw was just, oh my gosh, okay, hello, Revlon. (laughs) Other product placement that I saw was 1-800-Flowers was when Andy gets all those white roses from Ben. And and like Coke at Nick's, like at MSG, the Coke. Yes, yes, good one. And then um, Sky Vodka. There was like a scene where Andy is like, I don't even think they're drinking it. It's just a bottle on a table. (laughs) I don't know why I caught it so much, but I was just like, wow, again, not a WTF. I don't know why this is making me wonder, but when they're expressing and granted it's rough, they're expressing and taking their anger out on each other by singing. I mean, I was trying to measure, I think, I don't know if you thought this, but when I was watching it, I'm like, who would actually be more upset, you know? Mm. And if the person you were actively deceiving was also deceiving you, like, but for some reason I was like measuring that in my head or just kind of transactionally like who would actually be more and I think it would have to be Ben because his whole life is being you know thrown into this blender yeah that's a good point it's it's I just feel like the public display thing is just I can't get on board with it it's so vindictive (laughs) it's hilarious don't get me wrong and yeah why are we singing our anger in front of this room of people it doesn't make sense and The whole thing is just such a chaotic mess, but it's so entertaining. Let's talk the ending. What are your thoughts with it? I think even though I think it's genuinely unrealistic, I think honestly, the most idealistic part of me just love their chemistry and characters. And, you know, they're pretty similar, just competitive in their own ways. But I think with this last viewing, I have to say I'm like slightly dissatisfied. Mm. I think that Andy has decided she's going to just leave and she has an interview in Washington for a job. But then Ben is like, where are you going? And then she just decides to stay there. (laughs) I know it might seem rash to someone who isn't like really thinking deeply about it, but it seemed like to me anyways, she was already considering leaving the city Mm -hmm. maybe for her career or just leaving the area. And that kind of pushed her over the top where she was like, okay, this is not where I need to be in terms of bigger picture. So I think I was slightly dissatisfied with that typical rom-com, okay, well, if the guy like is still in it, then I am too, and I'm just going to be here. And so what's your plan then? You know, because you don't want to work at Composure and you've seemingly given your notice, especially if you have a good deal in Washington that you're interviewing for. So you just decide not to go for that. I mean, it seemed a little empty to me, I guess. 
I took away the exact same sentiment, to be honest with you. I like that, I guess, Andy gets to say her piece. Ben chases her, which is, you know, as expected in rom-com territory. But I think it could have been better. Andy basically gives up her goal of working in DC. I don't know what her relationship is with wanting to go to DC. And I do find it hard to believe that she can't find a job writing about politics in New York City. So there's that. Right. Yeah. Ben chases her. He says bullshit as she walks away and that lures her back in and happily ever after. I also just don't feel that satisfied with it. But then I got to thinking, like, what would I have preferred the ending to be? Right. And I couldn't get there. So I was like, I guess this was just like the easiest way to tie this up. And it is tied up, but I don't know. What What do you think? Do you think you have like a, a better suggested ending? No, I think you're right. It's funny because when you say that, I'm like, well, but we all want the characters to end up together. So. Right. The only way for that to happen, even though she may or may not want a career in politics or, you know, in the realm of that. I felt like maybe they could have done a little bit more. I know they were rough on time, so maybe that mm-hmm. was an element. But yeah, I just, it kind of left me this time. I mean, I still really liked it. I'm literally thinking that my score has gone way down <laughs> no. while I'm thinking of your question. But yeah, um, I don't know what I would have preferred. Yeah. I like that you said that like all is forgiven because Ben is also into it. So Andy's like, okay, I guess I'm all in now. That does kind of bother me uh, because like that's all it takes. It's interesting. I think this is one of the first movies where I'm just kind of like, I don't love the ending. And I, you know, they have to end up together, but I don't love the vehicle in which they got together. But yeah, I mean, like these these kinds of unbelievable endings are par for course for rom-coms, but ugh, I don't know why this is just not as satisfying as others. Yeah. This next question is obvious for me, and I don't know if that's a terrible lead-in, but are these characters likable or relatable to you? <laughs> well, I mean, I love Andy. She's pretty fun when she's not turning on the crazy. She's, yeah. I think, a friend I would want to have in the city. You know, she mm. seems down for whatever you could call her and she would go to that sporting event with you. She'll go to a concert with you. You know, she'll go to a movie. I don't think I would take her to a film if I thought she would talk like that. But, you know, other than that, she would be someone that I would want to hang out with. Ben, to me, is the kind of person that you work with and you just hope that they like you <laughs> so that mm. they won't make your life miserable or you don't have to compete against them because they're so confident. Good and point. Michelle, who I feel like she's one of the only other people they really highlight or give time to, is a bit of a mess. But I mean, she reminds me of so many people that I know I love when they get out of the cab and she's just like, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, guys. And then she immediately <laughs> launches into her explanation. And so I know so many, I have that friend, you know, hopefully I'm not that friend. And his friends were just along for the ride. I think they were just kind of the only people he could relate to at his work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think for the two characters, yeah, I think that would be it. I mean, I wouldn't want to like date a Ben, you know? <laughs> 100%. No, I definitely do not want to date a Ben. 
I wrote, like, not really, but isn't that the point? Is that these characters are not likable to a certain point, right? Like, when they're when they're crazy is turned on, they're not likable. They're hilarious and fun to watch. But I like that you mentioned that you think Andy would be a good friend and, like, a good hang. And you're right. I think I would love to be – and maybe I just want to be friends with Kate Hudson. I don't know. I can't differentiate. But I, I would love to be friends with Andy. I think she seems really chill and down to earth and, and down to do anything. And she'll save your job if she thinks you're about to get fired, you know? Like, I- Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up Michelle, the character, because she's actually my favorite character. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think because the little amount of scenes that she has, she steals. I love that scene that you just mentioned where she comes out of the cab and I don't want to talk about it. And then she just cries. Like, why didn't he love me? I told him I loved him. I cried after the first time we had sex. Like, he thinks I'm fat. Like, what's wrong with calling him in the middle of the night and telling him everything that you ate that day? (laughs) I don't know if I know anyone like her necessarily, but there are like bits and pieces of friend's behavior that I can recognize in this one character. Yeah. And also, I noted down, like, she's so oblivious to why why her relationships don't work. But... (laughs) Mike comes back to her. Right. So like, you know, not not to say that she was on to something, but I think that like, and this is a common trend and message, I think, in rom-coms is that like, we find the love that we want when we are truly ourselves. And I find that to be so true in the character of Michelle. Like she's so unhinged and like has no boundaries, but... As long as she can find her mic, that's all that matters. You know, we just need that one person to like not look at us like we're crazy. I love that you said that. I love, oh my gosh, I love all of that. And I think that the, where he comes back to is the one surprise the first time I saw it where I wasn't expecting that because you get so lost in the Andy Ben story. You forget that there's a B plot however minimal it is. And then he just comes out of nowhere and you're like, I'm sorry, who is that supposed to be? Yeah, um, seriously. But yeah, I love that she's your favorite character. Who's yours? I feel like it's a three-way tie, but definitely number one, Mrs. DeLauer. Yes, <laughs> Mrs. DeLauer. I think she's a scene stealer. I feel like I always love the crazy, nutty, quirky characters, but just the way she like strutted around and like her poses with her arm placement, I just, I can't even handle it. And her like Benjamin, like her (laughs) flirtatious kind of advances toward Ben. And he's just kind of standing there smiling at her like, okay, this is a client. We need to work with her. And all of her lines just, and her sheer like delight and her squeals of delight when Andy's like this song will be for his new friend you know what I mean and she's just like oh like did you hear that it's gonna be so great but and even her commercial at the end where she's like frost yourselves you know like I I love everything about her Obviously, Andy, because I feel like, how could you not? I mean, it's Kate Hudson. Even when she's making like a crazed expression, it's just so like adorable. And like, you can't help but just it's just so lovable as he is equally charming. But I also loved Lana. And that's just because I love BB Newer. Yeah. Her delivery is so, and she's such a believable boss where, again, like she doesn't have boundaries. So like, who wants to write about Michelle's like, oh no, (laughs) you know, like I just love her. Do you see any patches or insignia on like, 
I always feel like if a character makes you feel a certain way, like I hate them. I mean, they're doing a really good job, you know? Mm. So Mrs. DeLauer, definitely my favorite. Love it. I mean, agree with you. I love that she is just flirting with Ben like a thousand percent and Andy's watching the flirting happen and she's just like taking it in stride. She's just like down with the the flirtatiousness. It was just so fun to watch her flirt with Ben and the pink wig. Like, I mean, <laughs> my siblings and I are always like whiskey sour. Like we like say that like, horrible <laughs> line that she says and in front, like in full view of her husband, by the way, yes. who just kind of looks at her with these discerning, like, I love that look he gives her. He's just like, are you serious? But she just doesn't even like shift. She just like a hundred percent confidently links her arm through Benjamin's arm. So good. So we, we both kind of shared that we don't love the ending. And I'm wondering if that maybe impacts what you think about do these characters stay together or not? What do you think? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm like, if a guy bought sporting event tickets with such good seats <laughs> and made a lamb with a cherry glaze, I'm like, yes. I don't even know. I think he really took big chances because even if recommended, I wouldn't bring like that problematic of a person home to meet my family, you know, mm-hmm. and involve them in any bet that I made, even as like a last ditch effort for therapy or whatever. So I feel like he does truly care about her. And I think that, I don't know, I think in just that idealistic mind that I have when I'm watching these, I feel like it's more possible than other films I have seen. And mm. maybe I just hope that they stay together because now that she's met his entire family and knows everything about him, they only have to do the work on the other side of it. What about hmm. you? <laughs> that's a good point. And I, I appreciate that because that's actually a very optimistic way uh, of looking at it. I, I'm inclined to think they don't. I mean, I mentioned this earlier, like this rela- quote unquote relationship was based on 10 days. And most of it is when Andy and Ben are both deceiving each other. So I think that is a lot of stuff to unpack after they get together. I think I could see them being together, but I guess I'd be surprised if they lasted long term. And I like that you mentioned that Ben really pulled out all the stops. And I think that maybe that shows that there's a lot of willingness on his side to make things work. It shows to me that he's invested time and money and thought into how to quote unquote court Andy. But you're right. You're right. Maybe maybe I should be rooting for Ben a little bit more. Do you think that Michelle and Mike stay together? Because I don't believe that that would stay together. <laughs> That's like the couple I think wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think they stay together. I mean, we see Mike for like two seconds, but I, I yeah. I don't think that they stay together. Like as soon as he buys like a bottle of whatever her perfume is. Yeah. I mean, I said earlier that I love Michelle because she's able to completely be herself but also win Mike back. But I also am just like, I mean, I don't know. Different strokes for different folks. All I could think about was who can put up with that amount of crazy? But maybe Mike can. I don't know. (laughs) Um, You mentioned earlier how we never see Andy's apartment. But did you have something to add to that? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's along the lines of character development, but Mm -hmm. 
if you were to ask me like, you know, which character has the most character development, I feel like there's only one answer to it and it has to be Ben. Mm -hmm. It's a bit unfair because he really had to learn throughout the film's abbreviated timeline how to be in a relationship and how to compromise. But that's because there's no Andy family background. Like, does she have parents? Does she have siblings? The way she kind of responded to his family and that dynamic Mm -hmm. really reminded me of Lucy in While You Were Sleeping. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was getting that kind of energy from it. So I'm like, you know, Ben has his entire life highlighted and spotlighted more than anyone else. And it's magnified. We don't even see her apartment. Like, I don't know what your space looks like. I know that you live on 5th and 12th or wherever she had the cab drop her off when she Mm -hmm. left MSG that first night. But I feel like there's no backstory to her. And I didn't love that we didn't get that because the only backstory we got was, her writing about peace in, you know. Yeah, Tajikistan like, or something. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I really hmm. felt like we could have used more of that. And I don't know why it was so, the only background we got was maybe she was a little clumsy. Like she's having to talk her way out of a ticket and she's trying to redecorate her apartment. She's falling over. I guess maybe that's the peak that you have into her apartment, but you really don't get I mean, I'm just so surprised that he would be like, okay, we're going to come to my house and I'm going to make lamb. And then she doesn't like contribute anything, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we go see my family and okay, you already know my mom because you sort of talked to her. But yeah, I really felt like that part of it was kind of empty too. And you're so distracted by the antics that you don't even notice that that's missing. I'm so glad that you brought this up because at the top of this, I mentioned the IMDb summary. And when I copy pasted this from IMDb and I've read it the first time, I was like, I really don't like this summary. It's only about Benjamin Barry. There's no mention of Andy Anderson. And that's such a, this is such a full circle moment for me because you're absolutely right. We don't see any peek into Andy's life, yet we see so much of Ben and him putting himself out there. But then, yeah, I was like reading the IMDb summary. I was like, why is this only about Ben? Why is there no mention about Andy? And huh. You really bring up a good point. And I have to say, though, I don't know if that detracts from the movie for me. Like, I don't think I sat at the end of the movie being like, oh, I don't like this movie because we don't see Andy's apartment or get to know her family. I think it was just like, oh, why don't we get to see Andy's family? But I'm really glad that you brought that up because that just kind of opened a whole new thought process into Andy for me. You're right, though. I don't think it takes away from the film. So it's not like, I mean, maybe that's why there isn't any of it. (laughs) I think you threw out this word earlier is that this movie is really iconic. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Why do we think this movie is so beloved and popular? And, you know, I mentioned this movie is 18 years old, and I feel like it's still played a lot. So what are your thoughts? Like, why is this movie so successful and popular? I mean, the actors really bring this to life. Again, Mm -hmm. I think if they would have subbed out, just like the other film that we talked about, any of these characters, it just wouldn't have the same chemistry and the level of love, I think, behind it. And I think just the overall theme probably of two people when they're both BSing to themselves that they're not falling for another person, I think that's so relatable. So I Mm -hmm. think, you know, at what point do you think someone's crossed the line in a relationship or just the overall theme of how many days 
does it really take for you to fall in love or when you can say I love you to someone? Because Michelle mentioned it was, you know, five, okay, two days where she said that. So I think the time part of it is really relatable because it's one of those things where, and the rules, I think what really are the rules that make a relationship work and what really, I guess, I don't know, just what really, because it's a bit of a lightning bolt in terms of time in a big picture. But it's a fast-paced city. I mean, things happen quickly, especially now. Like, I feel like relationships are quick. And sometimes the relationship itself is very short-lived. So I think there's parts of it that are just so relatable. I mean, yeah, especially in today's age, all you have to do is swipe right, right? So, like, (laughs) there's always someone else. There's always another option. So the 10-day thing is interesting in the sense that yeah sometimes if you are single and really looking for a partner maybe you kind of just allot a certain amount of time or a certain amount of dates for a spark to happen and if not then you just move on really quickly because there's so many options out there and agree with you that it's kind of a lightning in a bottle for Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey in this moment I also just wanted to call out I know um Andy Anderson makes this family album but I couldn't help but think like they would actually make really beautiful children. Oh yeah, those photos were <laughs> He's like so attractive. <laughs> they were really, really <laughs> also could you imagine just knowing someone for it was what three days and then she shows up and is like, our family album and he's just like, We don't have children, like Whitney's kind of laughing. I mean, if someone literally said, Okay, I did something kind of wacky today you know, I was at work and I used Photoshop and I made pictures of what our kids would look like. I would literally be changing my phone number. That's amazing. Just kind of disappearing because I'm like, I hope you don't know where I work because that's not going to work. Yep. And then she narrates like what's going to happen. Like she has already (laughs) planned. I mean, that is as crazy as you can get that's like someone having a shrine I guess built yeah with you know oh they're like yodeling and then we're in Hawaii and I'm just like oh my gosh where is the trap door or like the exit button because that's so scary to me I mean yeah if Ben weren't Ben and Andy were trying to lose a guy in 10 days lost I think this for me is the moment (laughs) yeah for me this is the moment like hard pass like what am I getting myself into (laughs) I'm gonna move on to trivia sure um so apparently Gwyneth Paltrow was supposed to star in this film but she had a scheduling conflict the Isadora necklace that Andy wears uh, at the end is designed by Harry Winston and worth six million dollars I love it and you mentioned earlier the few scenes that were improvised so for my notes, I, I found that the poker scene where she tosses the veggie platter was improvised and the family album scene was improvised. But I don't know what in the family album scene was improvised, but props to Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey for that. And that's all the interesting to me trivia that I found. Did you find anything else? Um, I only saw a couple of things. So there was a 10-year age gap between the actors, which is why they weren't going to mm. cast Matthew. So mm. they thought, you know, he's 33 and I think she was 23. And so they said that might be too much, which when I watched it, I just assumed they were a few years apart. 
I really didn't think of him as that much older than her, but she was married to Chris Robinson at the time, who was older mm-hmm. than Matthew played or was. So they were like, okay. Um, and she didn't find it weird. And Matthew McConaughey bought a motorcycle to prepare for the film, which I <laughs> thought was really commendable only because he said he watches a lot of films where people are riding motorcycles and horses. And he's like, you're not really riding it. He's like, you don't know how. So he so method of him. Yeah, like really committed. And Catherine Hahn's phone went off in her audition, which I thought was really funny. And so she thought she didn't get the part. So she had to answer the phone and just improv that into the scene, which is <gasps> no what got way. her the part. And then she hung up and proceeded to pretend that I think her friend Patrick was like still calling her. So it was like still vibrating in her pocket the whole time. So I thought that was hilarious. I love that. I really wish with a lot of these scenes when I love a film so much, I want to be the person who sits in on it. But I would definitely be asked to leave for ruining a take (laughs) because I would be (laughs) laughing out loud. Those are really good points of trivia. I just want to say about the age gap. I think I knew that Kate Hudson is only 23 in this movie. And... I don't know why I'm surprised by how young she was because she doesn't give off 23-year-old vibes to me. And I mean, maybe that's just a testament to her good acting or whatever. But yeah, I the 10-year age gap, I did not think of it or mind it at all. Yeah, or notice, you know, like... Yeah. Well, I think we can wrap it up, Rosanna. It's really fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. I know, I feel like... This silly film really gave us a lot to talk about, but do you have any last takes or last thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I'm just really happy we got to watch a very different kind of film this time. (laughs) Yeah. And my score probably would go down just a little bit, but (laughs) that's about it. (laughs) Tell me, so what is the score that we're landing at for you? Probably around six, I would say, which I wouldn't normally change, but I feel like when I really am reviewing and not confronted with all these, but when I'm really thinking (laughs) about it, as much as it makes me feel great, you know, I don't know if it's one of the greatest films, you mm. know? That's an interesting point because sometimes when I rate these movies and I, you know, this, this rating, by the way, is not a science. It's just really purely based off emotion and, you know, my relationship with it. So I think a lot of the time when I finish watching a movie and I really enjoy it, I will rate it pretty high. Like that's my gut reaction. And then once I sit down and like type up my thoughts and like really kind of walk through the movie again in my head, it inevitably goes a little bit lower (laughs) because as you said, you're confronted by like all these additional questions you have and you're like, no way would this happen. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And I think that this movie is still quite iconic despite our like average score we're giving it. Yeah, Kate Hudson's a delight. I love her in this. I think like this and I mentioned, I think in our Heartbreakers episode that I love Almost Famous. That's one of my favorite movies. Because of these two movies, she will always have a a place in my heart. For sure. I think it's like an untouchable status, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to recording more episodes with you in the future. Thanks. That was so fun. Thanks to all tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can check us out on Instagram at Romcom Weekly. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we would love to hear from you. What would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye. 